Joining me to help us make sense of the political division we've been witnessing, especially over the last year, is Reverend and new KSFR board member Rick Iannucci. And the reason we've brought him on today is because he's also a reverend of many colors. I'd like to share information about Rick Iannucci's past, not for the sake of bragging about his credentials, nor boring you with the details of a long introduction when you're dying to just listen to him, not me, but... I share the details of his professional life due to their extreme relevance to the topic we're taking on today, and that is healing the divide, an unparalleled one in recent years within our political landscape. And the goal is to gain wisdom by looking at it through the lens of spirituality in hopes of garnering some wisdom for our future and accountability on all sides as we move toward greater unity and a look at what that might actually require of each one of us. Reverend Rick Iannucci is an ordained Celtic Catholic priest, and he is also our newly appointed state Senate chaplain. He's a former Green Beret with worldwide deployments who also spent time as an instructor at West Point. He's a retired U.S. Marshal whose special operations program in Colombia was hailed for establishing peace amidst 40-year-old guerrilla warfare. He's a chaplaincy section chair for the National Tactical Officers Association. If you're a regular listener to KSFR, you know he works at the Santa Fe Police Department as their chaplain, where he plays a central role in conflict resolution, and as he calls it, responding in reverence in crisis situations. He also has numerous degrees and postgraduate certificates from some of our nation's top academic institutions, from Baylor Truett Seminary to Yale Divinity School to Trinity College in Dublin, among others, where much of his focus has been on a trauma-informed approach to pastoral crisis intervention and care. This is the life's work that informs his perspective and his chaplaincy and ministry. And I'd like to begin our conversation with his opening prayer to the legislative session. I'm hoping that his words may help us gain wisdom for how to move forward toward unity and perhaps find comfort, hope, strength, and above all, inspiration from his words. Lieutenant Governor Morales, Madam Pro Temp, Majority Leader Worth, Minority Leader Engel, good afternoon to you and everyone at the Capitol and everyone with us virtually. Today we open the 55th legislative session, and I'm humbled and honored to again be with you all for the fifth year now and to assume the duties as your Senate chaplain. It is a bittersweet honor, though, as the former Senate chaplain, the Reverend Dr. Richard William Murphy, Father Rich, who served this body for the past seven years and a man who was a friend and brother to many of us, passed away peacefully at home with his wife, Carol, by his side on January 7th. All of us know how much spiritual vitality, goodwill, and peace he brought to this house. Transcending doctrine and dogma, he invited us to pray in all the holy names of God, no exceptions. So as we go forth in this session, we remember this man of impeccable integrity, who honored what Jesus told us in Matthew were the greatest commands, as he loved God with all his heart and all his soul, and all his mind, and his neighbor as himself. And as Rich would add, everything else is commentary. In his last days, Father Rich and I discussed for what should we pray during this session. 
and that our most pressing problems today are characterized and complicated by unprecedented levels of complexity, confusion, and consternation, and sometimes the consequent breakdown of our conventional problem-solving paradigms. We hunger for clarity and wisdom, wisdom that will fortify us through our journey and beyond this legislative session, when the chain-link fences come down, and even beyond our elected terms, when we can see each other's smiles because we don't have to wear masks anymore. So in our clarity, we recognize our need to invoke the power and blessing of the creator of our galaxies, the one who has breathed life into all of us and everything on our planet. So let us pray together. Creator, great mystery, grant us a collective wisdom that transcends our rigidness, our doctrines and dogmas, religious, political, and otherwise. Let that wisdom manifest in humility rather than arrogance. Enrich our ability to trust and explore difficult subjects that contain our shortfalls and fear of failure. And let us remember that our differences do not have to be our divisions. Provide us with the strength of character that is evident in quiet confidence and help us to remember that you never said, thou shalt be right. And not knowing it all is actually our strength and our ability to ask deep and hard questions is more important than offering superficial answers. We pray that imagination, commitment, patience, openness, and trust in one another as divine being, children of a good and gracious God, will ultimately be our collective bias. So when our work as co-creators with you, Lord, is complete, what binds us together is greater than what drives us apart. Amen. Welcome, Reverend Rick. It's just such a pleasure to have you on our show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, MK. I would love it if we can begin talking about your relationship with Reverend Dr. Richard William Murphy and why you think his own life acts in many ways for us as a beacon right now. First of all, he was one of my dearest friends, and he and his wife Carol are just incredible human beings. Uh, Father Murphy, many people don't know, was one of the mediators of the peace talks in Northern Ireland back in the day. So he's got a varied career. He was the rector at St. Bede's, which is an open and affirming Episcopalian uh, congregation in Santa Fe, uh, moved on to holy faith. But before that, we got along well because uh, I have a background in law enforcement, and Richard did as well. He was a parole officer in New England, Boston area. So We shared a lot of the same ground, so to speak, and I have to say that he also was one of the founders of the Interfaith Leadership Alliance, trying to constantly bring people together, trying to follow his lead as I started navigating chaplaincy in the Santa Fe and the New Mexico area. I basically had a good example and a good template, so hard act to follow, but an easy template to apply. Can you talk to us about how you went from being a Green Beret to becoming a reverend? Well, you know, a lot of people think that those uh, things are pretty obtuse, but actually for me, it seemed seamless. One thing led to another as you start progressing on your life's journey, and of course you move from special forces, getting recruited into the Justice Department, and the Justice Department into the Director of National Intelligence Office, and different things like that. So for me, in a second career within the last 16 years, going into ministry, going back to seminary, and 
getting as much education in that area as I could. And, and to me, it was seamless. You know, it just seemed like the way to go. As I started exploring, I've been working with veterans, of which I'm one since 2006 or seven. And one of the things that I had noticed and started working with was what we call the other side of PTSD, post-traumatic spiritual dissonance. And we've been on the air talking about that many times with our nonprofits and other venues. So to me, it's basically just a seamless transition and a journey and a path, you know. I think it's interesting that, like Thich Nhat Hanh, for instance, the, the Nobel Prize winner that was friends with Martin Luther King and Thomas Merton, he said the path for transformation begins when you start to practice the things that you pronounce. So as you go through your life and you do those things, these things start manifesting. And if you're living in the light, as we try to do, then these opportunities present themselves. And then if you're awake and listening to that still small voice, the transition is not even a transition, it's a transformation. I listened to your prayer and... You can't write like that unless you've lived through what the words were that you wrote. And I would like to highlight some of what you actually did write, because I, I would like you to expound on some of this. The words are, are the kind of words for me that I felt that I, I needed to savor, because there's so much power in these words. You say, creator, great mystery, which is also interesting when you call... Uh, the creator, also a mystery. So g- creator, great mystery, grant us a collective wisdom that transcends our rigidness, our doctrines and dogmas, religious, political, and otherwise. Can you talk a, a bit about that rigidity and, and, and even your own process in, in coming to terms with that and why that's so important to transcend for each of us? Well, going back to what you just read, the creator and the great mystery, we live in an area that's surrounded, and basically the land that I live on right now is Kiris land, and the backside of what used to be the San Marcos Indian Pueblo. So acknowledging those things that are gifts of transcendence, the things that we received from a good and gracious creator, genderless, I would add, (laughs) Uh, who knows, you know, so, uh, and continuing to be that great mystery, we ask for that collective wisdom that transcends the rigidness that many of us have. And if we look at what Jesus himself said when they asked him what the greatest commands were, and he said, Ah, oh, easy, love God with all your heart, your soul, and all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself, as the second one. As Richard said before, as as my friend would say, everything else is essentially commentary, uh, as I said in the prayer. So if we can transcend that part, distill it down to what the essence of our searching souls require, then we can start obtaining that strength of character that we need and that confidence that I spoke about that helps us to remember who we are, what we need to be, and how we need to relate to each other. What will give each other strength? How can I give you that strength to carry on? We need not to get into a political discussion, but we have to stop the demonization from both sides of the fence here. We have to stop demonizing those with an alternate point of view. There's plenty of that to go around if we allow ourselves to go down that road. When I look 
at just say the last election when I looked at 74 million did this and 75 million did that. That's kind of almost an even split if you ask me. And so those people that are what we're trying to not call the other, but looking at liberal congregations that think the other side is the other when they profess that, oh, let's all have unity and not point our finger at the other, that's a little disingenuous. So we really need to refocus. Be be reasonable, do it my way should not be the mantra from the left, the right, or the center. Right, and in fact, as you're, as you're talking, I'm thinking about cancel culture and, and even what's happening in the, in the realm of free speech. What would be a spiritual take on that? Well, we don't have to agree with each other. That's the first thing, and we never will. In one household, sometimes a dad doesn't agree with a mom, so we can't expect an entire society to agree with each other, especially an entire planet. However, we have to make a Herculean effort to understand and empathize for the for one thing. You talked about the cancel culture, which is a term that kind of gives me the creeps, but I know it's a reality and people are trying to cancel those out. That's right up there with reprogramming that I've heard reference to lately. We want to reprogram 75 million or 74 million other Americans that had a differing opinion maybe than we have. So that's right up there with when we bristle at somebody saying, well, let's reprogram gays. Where does it stop with that when we can't have it both ways? You know, we have to really look at those things. We need to exercise and and hit the pause button before we hit the reset button. If you just tuned in, we've been speaking with Reverend Rick Iannucci. He is the state Senate chaplain, and we've been speaking to him about healing the political divide. Another thing you hear these days in the media is the need for a common set of facts. What are your thoughts on that? Well, sometimes a common set of facts are hard to come by because it depends on how facts are being funneled to you and how you're receiving them. Sometimes people present facts especially in our media today, as they would like the narrative to be viewed, no matter what side people are on. So it's all in that perspective. But certainly a common set of facts would be good. That's where we have to start relying on reliable media outlets, and people have to stop being pundits and start being journalists and start looking at what real facts are. They actually have to start looking at both sides of things. I work with veterans a lot and do a lot of work with veteran couples who've been suffered through many, many deployments. And now they're facing new challenges in their relationship. And what I always find is that there's his story, her story, and then the real story somewhere in between. And using that analogy, you know, as just a couple in your own household, think about that. There's his point of view you know, hey, he leaves his socks on the lamp, and and that's okay. And then her point of view is, I don't get any help in the house, or whatever the story is. That's micro. Look at it as macro as to what's happening. There's some families that are at war with each other, where Thanksgivings will never be the same again (laughs) because of discussions around that. Driving us further apart is the pandemic and the restrictions that real or otherwise that have driven us apart. How do we rely on a certain set of facts when they keep moving the bar? You can have facts that are straight 
but the bar keeps moving as to the metric of how we're measuring what the response will be. We have to hear each other's voices, whether we agree with what they say or not. We can't appoint ourselves as the most righteous of all. They need programming or the demonizing of each other, the phobia that's just as as demonstrative and just as demeaning uh, as what one side portrays on another has to stop, has to end. And, and, and if we continue to do it, we're no better than the ones we're, we're calling out. We have to also continue to respect that dignity that's the spark of each human being. That is the face of God. We are all made in the image and likeness. And we sometimes forget that. That doesn't end because we assume or someone assumes a certain political perspective or persona. The interesting thing is that the people that I speak with is many people just didn't vote for Joe Biden or Trump because they liked that guy. Many of the votes, as I speak to people, were votes because they had no other option to sustain the things that they believed in. For instance, many people... They may not have liked Trump, but they also didn't like Biden's blatant position on abortion, for instance, say. Sometimes people are voting against something, not so much for something. It's odd because some of the things that get reported either way kind of make you scratch your head and go, wait a minute. I'm also reflecting on uh, this concept of hypocrisy. How do we get a hold of our own hypocrisy? Well, the first thing we have to do is we need to each look inside ourselves and develop our own faith practice and faith tradition so that we have a starting point. That's the first thing, no matter what our tradition may be or where we're starting from. That's the key element. And we have to stop this worrying about currying favor and start concentrating on care and compassion in our own backyard, for instance. And that is with ourselves. And the first question we have to constantly ask ourselves is, is this true? You know, my dad was in the restaurant business and he would always say, does this dish or does this shipment of fish or whatever pass the smell test? And, and that's a real simple thing, metaphorically even. Does this smell right to you? Or is this guy just saying what I want to hear? Uh, is the media repackaging something to make it palatable for all of us to swallow? That's one of the challenges is we have a media that's canceling things out, media outlets. Uh, journalism is, from when I grew up in the 50s and 60s and 70s, is, seems to be really in a hard place right now because the true journalists are... are um, you and you're one of them. You're a great, a great person, always looking for the other side, asking pertinent questions instead of asking me what kind of ice cream I like, uh, as they asked the president the other day, which kind of befuddled me when there's such major things going on in the world. 75 million, 74 million on either side. One side is not filled with blatant racism and one side is not filled with demonic possession. So <laughs> let's look at people as human beings and get ourselves over that and stop limiting ourselves to putting people in those labels and those definitions. 
and start talking to people and listening to each other and finding out what it is that makes them tick. What is their information source? And is that true? You and I both know that there's partial information, sanitized information on both sides of the spectrum that comes our way. So we have to look at each thing and again, ask ourselves, what is true? And then rely on, as my dad used to say, the smell test to see, is that person a demon? Is that person really a racist just because they vote a certain way? Or are they a worker that really wanted this particular political perspective to go that way because they're a pro-life person. Does that fall in line? And now I'm characterized with all the other things because it's expedient for me to develop and put them in a box? Or do I want to look at them as also a divine person, someone that was made also in the image and likeness of a good and gracious creator, a great mystery that I was. If you just tuned in, we've been speaking with Reverend Rick Iannucci. He is the state Senate chaplain, and we've been speaking to him about healing the political divide. We'll bring you part two of this conversation next week. For KSFR, this is MK Mendoza. Talk to you tomorrow.